Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Romley. Our guest today is Bikesh Lakmi Chad, the founding partner of 1337 Ventures, Malaysia first, Malaysia's first accelerator program that has invested in over 60 innovative digital startups to date. Besides helping to discover, validate, and transform high potential startups into businesses of the future, Bikesh is also actively involved in helping Malaysian corporate digital transform their organizations and advance the professional careers of their employees. Besides 133 Ventures, Bikesh is also the co-founder of iTrain, Southeast Asia's leading digital technology powerhouse that has empowered over 3,000 corporate employees in advance digital technologies and lead capital, one of the 10 licensed equity crowdfunding platforms that are helping SMEs and startups grow via alternative funding. Our chat with Bikesh today would revolve around where and how Malaysian early stage startups and companies can access funding in Malaysia. So hi, Bikesh. Thank you for joining us today from beautiful Kuala Lumpur. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing great this evening. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'm so glad to uh, be speaking to you tonight. So let's dive right into the question. So, okay, Bikesh, you are actually doing a very tough job helping early stage startups, you know. Um, So I wanted to ask you, why did you make it your life mission to do such a thing like help Malaysian startups seek funding? Well, I, I, I never woke up one day and saying, I want to be a VC. Um, I think in life, everything happens for a reason. So it, it was just um, an accidental journey. So, you know, as you read the profile, one of the things that we first started doing was involve a lot <clears throat> within the training consulting space. We had a company called iTrain. And we were training a lot of people to become app developers back then in 2010, 2011 with the launch of the iPhone and Android phones. And we saw there was a lot of great potential of people in the country that was coming up with really good ideas and coming to us to learn how to build apps. Eventually, these people quit their jobs and uh, were, were asking us advice just as an entrepreneur and someone who ran their own business. How do you do this? How do you do that? And some of them had really interesting ideas, but just didn't have the know-how to navigate the business sense of things. So we started giving them advice. Uh, eventually, some of them had really interesting ideas and started giving them money. And back then, I don't even think there was co-working spaces. And we started giving them space. So we had ample office space. We kind of took one floor and made it into what we call the developer playground. And anyone that was trying to launch an app idea and didn't have a place to call home, we used to give it out for free for developers to just hang out and brainstorm and, and get work done. So I think it started there. And we just realized there's not much support for new founders, new entrepreneurs in general to, to get business advice and coach you on how to start. So if I had such advice to myself as I started, I don't think I would have lost a lot of money trying to navigate the world of business. Uh, So it was more of a give back. And because we had access, we just wanted to help out. And 
we got sucked into it and we love what we're doing working with new ideas every week um, and i don't think so we're ever going to stop doing that so just to clarify who is we actually you and i say we is the organization so i, I co-founded this with a college friend uh, so we started i drink together and then started lead ventures together pretty much you know anything we own can i have 50 50. okay so in a nutshell what does a startup need to do or the process they need to undertake before they can approach 1337 ventures for funding so i know you have all these pitch pitch days pitch something yeah. which i've attended virtually as well yeah. so tell us but tell us more about you know how they can how can they approach you like do they need to fill a form first online or so uh, we're very approachable there's there's so many channels you can find us at the various different stages you're in um it all starts just with a basic pitch right so we have something called pitch tuesday now a lot of people apply for that so you just wait your turn to basically get a slot and this is where people just with a PowerPoint presentation, or just an idea without even articulating it into a presentation, comes and tell us what they're doing. For the later companies, they also come in there and basically say, look, I'm not raising for a small amount, I'm raising a big amount. Mm -hmm. So they all start with this funnel and that's where an analyst and an associate basically has a call with you to kind of understand, you know, what you're working on, why you're working on that, is there something that we could help you with? So how do we navigate that journey for you? So that's something you always say with Leap, right? We are an end-to-end -end ecosystem. We can help you with that idea that you just start off with, but you could be raising like a 20 million ringgit for your Series A and you don't know how to navigate that. That's something that we also basically help. Um, so then we decide into what programs you're going to. From early stage ideas, has something called a pre-accelerator that we work with you through a, a four-week bootcamp that's totally free. We don't charge for any of our programs to see whether, you know, is this idea something worth doing and how would you navigate launching this eventually and if it's something that we like and we think you as a team can work well with our team then we will like write a check in you if you're a bit more later stage then that check basically becomes a little bit more bigger in our course of how we run programs throughout the year we also run accelerators that's driven with corporates itself like there's one we're running with fwd uh, insurance that's a insurance company that's in 10 different markets here in asia and we run their fintech and insurtech accelerator so if you're in the space of fintech and you had an idea and you're looking for funding we'll kind of put you into that program we run with a giant as fwd so you even get domain expertise and know-how from industry experts to see whether is this something that we would want to invest even with FWD as a, as a corporate investor too. So, you know, you come to us with your funding needs and we help you navigate the, the whole thing. So, okay, so they come to you, they give you a pitch for five, 10 minutes, then you can, how do you decide whether they are, um, you know, uh, suitable to go to the next stage or they need to go back and rework on their idea. So what is the success rate from that, you know, that Tuesday's So I would say that everyone gets something. So of course, the ideal thing is we say like, this is amazing, better than sliced bread. Here you go, here's a check. Now, how fast do we write a check? <laughs> we're, we're pretty fast. Um, we're not your typical VC, you know. Uh, we don't have um, a lot of investors behind us in terms of creating an official fund. We're the type of investors where we say we invest from a balance sheet. So this is our own income, our own capital that we basically place into startups. So deploying capital is it's quite sufficient and, and very easy for us to do. Uh, one example is, you know, back then in the heydays when Clubhouse was really good, everyone was on it. I'll be on the call listening to a pitch and we go like, oh, that's great. And next week we write a check and we fund you. So we can do it even within the same week if we basically really like it. So it all comes down to the people that has the idea and the idea itself, right? So we kind of know the sectors that we want to get into. So we, we we play quite well within the fintech and the insurance realm. We understand that in and out. 
And we look into certain sectors like healthcare and agri, and basically what Malaysia especially uh, needs uh, in terms of its ecosystem to be built on. So when an idea comes within that RAM, you don't have to explain too much in terms of the potential of the market, et cetera, et cetera. We kind of know that. What we want to understand is why you, why could you think your team can basically figure it out? So it involves a lot about the team dynamics, who is on a team, do you have the resources from a team perspective to build it and ship it? Um, and we think we're confident in your particular take on this solution and would basically write a check. So early stages is very much about the individual rather than the idea state, right? So we go from the first 50,000 ringgit you need as an angel investment right up to maybe possibly 150,000 ringgit. So that's how much we will write as a check. But you coming to us to fundraise for early stage, normally you wouldn't need so much. But if you were somewhere, let's say a seed stage startup, that means You've already done your experiments, you know it's basically working and you're about to scale it and you're raising, say, half a million to a million ringgit. You still come to us and we say, look, we love this. And we would then lead the round. So we will put in the first 150,000, put our name behind it, and we'll help you navigate the other VCs and all other angels that may want to come into what we say club the deal with us. So it's like a syndication, bringing us to the fellow angels and together we help you conclude that fundraising request of a million, right up to maybe even two to three million ringgit. It's it's balance sheet investment. So we basically have a revenue stream. So as part of us launching an accelerator, I think we learned a lot about how to approach innovation, how to systematically you know, evaluate companies, write checks and succeed in them growing to raise further funding and eventually get an exit. Like, you know, last week, we just sold the company to Shell and we got a nice exit from that. So that ability to know how to navigate this becomes a revenue stream for us when corporates are trying to figure this out. So the bigger corporates normally call us in to help them figure out their internal innovation agenda, how they basically launch their own corporate innovation accelerator programs. Uh, and that's our revenue stream. And, and whatever we make from that, we usually always reinvest into the startup ecosystem. So as we make, we, we invest there and that's how we keep it afloat. There are a couple of angels that have started now co-investing with us. Uh, names like Asgari and also Suresh Tiru, which was the ex-CEO of Seek Asia. So we've got confidence from angel investors to say, I trust what you're doing and I like the kind of deals you're getting into. Can I tag along in some of those things? So I guess eventually next year onwards, we might then just launch a fund to become your typical VC where we have external fundings coming in and it's not just our capital, so we can do even more investments. I think that's the goal of it. Of course, it takes time to basically you know, flip a company at the end, and that could take a gestation period of maybe five, six, sometimes a good seven years. So typical VCs will have that lifetime of maybe seven years to see an exit. So in between, it's doing other corporate programs, teaching people how to be more innovative from a corporate perspective, uh, and that basically pays the bills, and that becomes the investments. In terms of you know getting returns from the investments, it's a good holdout, like I said, for far five years. Uh, so you have to have the patience. So what we need to do is help this particular startups grow and grow and grow, and maybe raise more funds. Then eventually, an exit basically becomes a little bit more apparent. Um, so that's basically our role here. So as we do those corporate engagements, what's interesting is we get to learn from corporates where the gaps are, what are they trying to solve, and that's where we become those matchmakers, right? Uh, rather than they may be building solutions on your own for a corporate here in Malaysia, how do we connect them to a local startup, especially a portfolio we've invested into? And that then grows the value of that particular startup and of course increases our investments on paper and eventually 
uh, there could be some form of exit that we just liquidate what, what we have in terms of a stake or just entirely the whole company has been bought up. We, we do not invest in solopreneurs, as you basically say it, right? Um, you know, running a company is it's very difficult, right? So uh, there, there's always that roller coaster ride you're going to have. Um, if you don't have a partner to basically spar with and to take to, to be supportive of your ups and downs, it's very difficult for an individual to get every, everything done. And the most important thing about running a startup is the resources. You're, you're trying to not be dependent on external resources as much as possible. So with the little capital you have on your own, or you fundraise from us, it's to basically do everything you need to give this a fighting chance. Extend your runway as long as possible and not burn too much on the necessary cost. So if you were a solopreneur, then you'd have to hire a lot of key roles in the startup. And that would just you know, shorten your lifetime in terms of a fundraise um, runway. And, and that's very dangerous. But most importantly is that mental state of someone. If you're running a business alone, you don't have that second person to bounce ideas with. You can always speak to us as a VC, but you know we've got that many portfolios. How do we spend time too often with everyone itself? It's very difficult. So for that reason, we stay away from solo founders. But if they have a great idea, we will facilitate in terms of connecting them with other people in the industry to say that, hey, you know, I know someone else that was trying to do what you're doing. So why don't you guys or girls meet up and connect and see if there's something there to create something with a partner. Some of the companies uh, or sectors uh, mm -hmm. have uh, 1337 ventures provided, provided funding to date. So you have 60, right? So yeah, maybe so we're agnostic on sector, right? So, so usually the first question people ask is, "What on earth is one three three seven? The first <laughs> thing, well, uh, one three seven always meant the best, where it's the alphabets, right? One being L, three three being E, and uh, the seven being a T, elite, elite. So our premise was always like, focusing on the founder that they have to be the best in whatever they do. So regardless, you know, game developers, app developers, uh, they could be a farmer, they could be a bee farmer. I think we've invested in social enterprises, fintech, insurtech, you name the sector, I think we have we have a bet on it just because of the founder coming from that realm of business and said, look, I've been doing this and I've seen that there's a better way to do certain things and no one was solving it, therefore, I want to basically do that. And, and we bet on them to basically get that done. So hence why we've got over a 50-year-old startup founder that basically decided to go from video production to production of food and we will still fund them because they have the basics of getting something off the ground so we are we're that right we are opportunist in terms of smart people in sectors that's worth investing into we'll cut a check so you, you can see our portfolios are very diverse awesome so um these funding opportunities right are they like you know free money or do they come with a like you know you have to pay low low interest so we're not the government, so no grants from us, unfortunately. Uh, but it's well, nothing is free. When we say it's not free, means we're not asking you to pay us back. So we're taking the risk. If you lose the money, you lose the money. So our role is to figure out how to find someone that is going to give it a fighting chance. But in exchange, we take equity. So we take ownership, right? It's going to be a small percentage of your company shares that gets uh, allocated to us for that particular quantum that we provide you. Okay, so um, just to be clear, there's it's not a, like a loan where they have to pay back with interest, nothing, no. Okay, no, no loans, no loans. Okay, great. It's actually awesome. equity investments, yeah. Okay, 
So, um, Vikish, you are probably the best person to ask this question. Can you explain to us what it means when someone says series A, B, C, D? <laughs> okay. What are they looking at here? <laughs> yeah. So, series basically is just a stage of funding. So, usually it always starts with uh, what we call a pre-seed. Pre-seed is proof of concept where you may just have an idea, it's a PowerPoint presentation, and you need some money to go and prove that this can be built and there's something there, right? So that's pre-seed. Once you've built it, then it's about proving that this is the solution that will work. And that means you have to achieve what we call product market fit. You know your product market fit when the rate of people discovering you is more than the rate of you advertising people to come on your platform. That means people want your stuff. That's called seed funding. Now, once you achieve seed and proven that this solution is needed, that's when the series stages activate where it's something that needs to be stepped on the gas, right? So the first series A is for you to say that, all right, I built this product. It might be scrappy. It might be bloated. It got the job done. It proved people want it. But now I've got to clean it up. I need to start optimizing my product. I need to start focusing on my user growth. I know specifically who's the customer so I can efficiently spend on advertising to find it. At seed, you might be throwing money everywhere, trying to figure out what sticks. But series A, you know who you want. So you'd raise maybe five to 10 million ringgit in, in terms of ringgit to basically say, this is my series A, I'm doubling down, I'm stepping on the gas. Once series A is done, and then when you need more capital to grow, and we say grow here means where are you gonna grow? You either go into a new market because you did so well in Malaysia and you wanna go into Southeast Asia, neighboring territory, or you could say, I figure out how to monetize this customer segment, and now I want the next segment of a customer I figure out. So that will be then what Series B is for, for growth. And then Series C, it's when you're getting towards the territories that this could possibly be an exit. It could be an IPO. So this is where you, you're, you're trying to expand further. You're going into further new markets. You're trying to do maybe new products to go along with what you already have. And this is where you can also grow inorganically by saying, I need to raise a lot of money because there are some competitors that are not doing so well and I want to buy them up. So the funds will go from 20 million to 30 million ringgit onwards to basically say, here's money for the firepower, that war chest, for you to buy out other competitors and become a bigger collective so that you can head towards a, an IPO or pre-IPO deal. And that's Series D and all. So the series will increase if you're not ready for IPO. What does it mean? Maybe it doesn't sound like a compelling product still because you're not profitable, you're in the red, you're burning too much cash then the series keeps going until you can find that efficiency of you going back in the black and having a, a pretty good IPO results and returns towards an investor. So if you do not hit that rate of you maybe being a successful IPO, then they keep going with the series. Awesome. So you have like a program coming up on the 13th of June, if I'm not mistaken, teaching uh, startups about um, all this um, funding opportunities. Funding, fundraising, yeah. So we found that a lot of startups, I mean, it's it's not in our DNA, right? You, you don't go to school, you don't go to college, no one teaches you stuff like that. So a lot of good startups, they're still good startups. They just focus on the business, focus on the product. They get to that particular milestone where they go, I need to grow further. So you usually will not go out and raise funds when you're desperate for funds saying, oh no, I'm about to lose everything. My runway is three months. It's too late to raise funds. So what we're trying to do in this boot camps is to teach people how to fundraise, to teach people, you know, how do you set valuations, how much you should raise in the first place. Because, you know, you, you don't just like, you know, stick your finger in the air and say, I need a million bucks, I need five million. There's, there's a way to really calculate what's really needed and what is that particular amount you're trying to raise um, 
going to be offset as ownership of a company? How much equity would you give away and what the valuation is? And when you do stuff like that, it's also trying to articulate what is the money for? What is the growth that's going to happen in a company? How do you articulate the vision? So not just startups, we find that today, these days, even SMEs who survived the pandemic is trying to say, if I could survive the pandemic, I could survive anything. I think I want to raise capital and start expanding on what I've been building for the last three to five years. But they don't know where to start. They don't know how to articulate that. So that's a bootcamp that we're starting next Monday itself. And we do this every quarter to basically teach you the art of fundraising. And eventually in the program, we will introduce you to everyone you need to meet to raise funds from be it an institution investor like a venture capital firm. If you are a really growth stage SME, maybe it could even be a private equity firm, or it could be an angel investor that just loves what you're doing and wants to cut you a check. So that's, that's basically what the program entails, right? Whether you're a startup, you're an SME, uh, if you want to learn how to navigate fundraising, that's a bootcamp that we basically put together uh, to teach you how to do that. Awesome, that's actually a great uh, bootcamp. So tell us um, more about your latest um, yeah, tell us how to get you know involved in that bootcamp. I'm sure it's already uh, full because it's quite late in the stage at the moment. Yeah, but it's the not time, Monday, but you know the the intake it's it's always rolling. So I think now if you go to the website, you could still sign up, but you'll go into the sec the third batch that starts somewhere in September. Uh, all we need to know is, of course, you know the basics of who you are, what you're doing. If you have some form of uh, a deck about your business already, that basically helps. Uh, but we'll love to. You know, since we're helping the more of the growth stage guys, basically, or, or people raise funds, um, somehow on a track record, like, you know, what's your current revenue at the moment? How much have you made? Uh, so it's some basic questions we ask you about the performance of your company so that we can then figure out whether this program is truly meant for you. And uh, if it's not ready, it's not like we turn people away, as I said earlier. We kind of push people then to other programs. So we might say, look, you're trying to say that you want to raise five million. By the current trajectory at how you're basically running your business, I don't think so. That's something that you would be possible uh, would be possible for you to raise. So what we recommend is maybe go into this other earlier stage program first and get some other basics checked on, and then maybe go back into this program. So you know, I guess we could say we're quite friendly parties. So our, we established ourselves to help everyone try and figure out and navigate the ecosystem. So, so don't worry if you're too late or you're too early. I don't think so. There's ever that range for us to say uh, no to. We will at least kind of point you to the next point of resource that you may need to speak to if it's not something that we would basically cover. So you know, just knock on our doors and we'll see how we can basically help you. Yeah, it comes to my next question. It's like, how do you, like, you've already explained some of it, but sometimes, you know, if people do get hurt. Like, how do you turn away companies who are not ready to be funded without breaking their heart or worse still, their will to continue with their business idea? Because sometimes they might not be ready. Yeah, so, so sometimes it's that harsh reality of saying like, look, I mean, it's a cliche thing you've seen like Shark's Tank and all that. You know, everyone uses this word. It's like a bad breakup, right? It's not you, it's me. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's literally that. It's saying, look, you got an okay business going on there, but it's your particular business, right? This is more of a a small business. It, it It's okay for you to basically have this day in, day out, survive on that, but it's not going to be a scalable business for venture capital to come in because we're looking at, you know, how do I grow this 10x in the next year or so or get that particular kind of returns back from our investments. So we will look for something that could highly scale and something that would want to expand if not regional, global, 
that's something that needs to be done. But not every business, not every person that runs a business is ready for that. Um, so it's about articulating that reality. And sometimes they're just fine with it, right? To just know what their threshold is, where this is ever going to go. And if they're okay with it, they're okay with it. If there's opportunities for them to kind of tweak and pivot, then it's something we speak about and see where they want to go with that. Uh, but we, we won't basically kind of shoot them down and just give them a no. Uh, we try to then have them come through the boot camps because when you do that boot camps that we have, and notice we do that boot camps even free online. It's a it's a recording that you could basically just log in for free and, and go through the whole syllabus on your own. It's for you to also understand why do VCs then say no, right? So a lot of times when you build an idea, uh, it's like the local saying, short sendiri, right? It's, it's what you want. It's what you think it's needed, but it's not coming from the ground. So when we make you do the focus groups, when we make you do the qualitative studies or the interviews and the online surveys, and the data shows that this is something people could live without. Um, they're not saying that uh, you know it, it's a showstopper for me. There are alternatives that just gets around this particular problem I have. Then it becomes a reality for you to go like, oh, okay, maybe it was a little bit more in my head rather than what everyone would want and pay for. So how do you articulate that? How do you teach someone that? I think that's why we also kind of ran these programs. Because um, the backstory, you know, as we ran that whole development company and teach people how to build apps, you know, I got invited to be like a panel judge in most of these funding programs, these government grants. And you would hear some of the ideas come out and go like, someone really pay for that. And, and that's how this whole program came about, right? Alpha Startups, the pre-accelerator. We realized that there's a lot of things that we still just don't know the art of start. You know, we're a country of where we say it's all about shut up and listen rather than show and tell. So there's a lot of things people don't know on how to go out there, how to articulate this, how do you tell people I'm building this, how do you get feedback from people. Um, it's not a skill that everyone knows how to be that kind of digitally scalable entrepreneur. So our program teaches you that. And sometimes that reality just tells you, okay, you won't get funded because of so-and-so. If you're okay with that and just want to run it as a hobby, a small business, then that's great. That's still a bedrock of society today, right? But it's just not VC investments. Okay, Malaysia, the fund, the perception is VCs are very hard to get money from them. <laughs> very, very hard. So how, what, I mean, what's the story with 1337 Ventures? Is it easy or... Well, just, look, if you have a great idea, it's never going to be difficult, right? People will fight to know uh, how do you want to take our funds, right? So people fight over deals sometimes going, oh, man, they only need so much and who are they going to take it from? So that, that becomes difficult. So if you have a great idea and it's organically growing really good, I don't think so. You have to worry about raising funds. Funds will find you. Uh, but in certain locations like Malaysia, of course, there there is a more difficult uh, way to navigate how to fundraise. One is, of course, a lot of the funds are government-driven. So how they evaluate deals, very, very different from a typical fund structure, where people create funds from investors behind them and where that money comes from uh, in other markets. It could be a little bit more easier for that capital to come by, previous exits, previous success from bigger corporates, they have money to put into these funds to, to, to give it a try. But Malaysia is, of course, that typical fund from the older money, right? The, this is blood, sweat, and tears money. So when they, when they invest, it's, it's very much trying to be as um, 
adverse to risk as much as possible. So it feels like you're speaking to a bank sometimes, like everything is not enough. They want to see uh, a sure thing most of the time. So of course, it depends on the quantum that you're trying to ask for. So we find that sometimes it's about the mismatch. Most people complain they can't raise funds, but maybe you're just going to the wrong person to ask the wrong thing. You're not at that stage to ask for that kind of capital and you're trying to access that capital, then of course you're not going to get it. So it's a little bit on both sides. Yes, capital is harder to come by. So when VCs have funds here, they might be a little bit more selective. Mm -hmm. um, so your job as a founder is to make sure that you are the next best thing and they want to get into you. So how do you build a business that everybody wants? And that's basically showing you've got the persistence and the grit and the understanding of this. So how do you articulate that vision? How do you prove that I'm the person that can figure it out no matter what kind of travesties that may come in between? You're funding me so that you trust me to figure this out, not so much the ideas that you know, could be a dime a dozen. Okay, so finally, right, um, congratulations, you just celebrated your 10th anniversary as a company on the 3rd of May. So um, going forward, right, um, you, you just um, gave us a bit of your plan um, for uh, next year when you are looking to go more mainstream, but like I know what's the plan for 133 Ventures, like how are you like uh, expanding within Southeast Asia? Yeah. So actually, when, when we first started, we, we kind of went into Southeast Asia straight away. We did programs in Singapore, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, and of course, Malaysia being home turf. Um, and then we kind of dial back on that and, and focus on Malaysia. And so this year, we started dabbling again. As the pandemic happened, we realized one thing was possible, right? Our program could scale. We could do accelerators online, uh, and you could get participants from everywhere. And what was interesting is we, we were still attracting a lot of Malaysians, but Malaysians in Chicago, Malaysians in New York, Malaysia in, in Japan, Malaysia in China. And we, we met a lot of interesting people that say, I want a reason to come back and I want to start up a company here. So that gave us access to really new, nice talent. But we also started seeing then early stage ideas in other markets uh, that were like, wow, like we missed out on these things again, right? So we want to go back there. So last month, we, we started investing back again in regional. We did two deals in Singapore. I think moving forward in by quarter four, we're going to start our regional based accelerator again. Um, but it's going to be online. So anyone anywhere could basically jo join the program and we're ready to maybe write checks into regional based startups again. So that, that's definitely something we want to do more. And again, the fund is for us to be able to do more investments in the region. Uh, we will basically formalize a fund so that we could do bets from that again, 50,000 raise. But I think this time we're going to be writing even bigger checks. What we want to get to is possibly even the 1 million US dollar mark. So we will cut checks to four to five million ringgit worth of investments into a startup. Uh, that's the dream. Oh, wow. So awesome. So that is all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Vikesh Lakmichat, the founding partner of 1337 Ventures. Thank you, Vikesh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. And the pleasure is all ours. Be sure to catch us next time as we aim to interview another awesome individual from across the globe. Thank you.